Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I'm your host, as always, Stephen Murphy. I'm joined by one of the regular rugby crew, uh, which is Sam Westy, is not here this week. Uh, we've had a few weeks now where one, one of you hasn't been here and the other one has, but there's no beef. Is there any beef between you and Westy, Sam? We're not talking. We're not on speaking. Not time. talking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a constant beef between you two, I think, but there's no, nothing new anyway. We're like Simon and Garfunkel. Like, we don't talk, but we make some sweet, sweet music. God, they make some good stuff together, though, you know. Um, as, you, as you can hear, Sam is here, um, and we have, unfortunately, some European rugby to talk about. Well, you know what? We were spoiled there the last few weeks. It was just win after win, uh, but Connacht, unfortunately, did not win at the weekend. As we said, we'll get stuck into that. But first, we'll check in with Sam. Sam, how are you? Good, yes, yeah, stressed. I was just explaining to you there off, uh, off podcast that got back from Dublin today, having went up just to see my folks last night and then check out a couple of cars for the girlfriend. She's trying to buy a new car and she only drives an automatic, unfortunately. She's an automatic license and there's actually an automatic car centre in Dublin that has three or four hundred automatic cars. That's it. So we said that's a good place to look. Went up, flew back down motorway, got in, you know, was planning kind of a chilled evening, then record this and then sit back and relax. And the cat was making all sorts of noises upstairs when we got in we thought oh no we are locked the poor thing in the spare bedroom for a day full day so he's in a foul humor with us he pissed on my girlfriend's laptop it, it's just it was carnage uh, so stressed enough now happy to be able to escape upstairs while she deals with that and i i chat to you for an hour about rugby <laughs> That's yeah, you, you, yeah. That even talking about Connor seems like a better uh, <laughs> solution than drying out cat piss from a laptop. Uh, that is not not fun. No. Um, I was home for the weekend back in Cavan, and but I was golfing in Bundoran Saturday, part of the Golf Society. But it was windy. Um, it was crazy windy for the whole day. We got battered around with the wind. Uh, but it was fun. Bundoran's a nice course. Always a nice place to go to. Uh, and I won fifteen euro back. Okay. Uh, yeah, I came third in category. Yeah, it's yeah. Category for those of you who don't know, Smurf is a shit hot golfer that pretends he's a shit golfer. So he's actually you're playing off like six or something. I'm playing off twenty nine. <laughs> like they can just carry out. But uh, no, Bundoran's nice. It's nice. It's right right in the coast. So it's 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 uh, yeah, brace it. But we didn't get wet. It was giving rain all day, and somehow we dodged it. I couldn't get over. I was very much set for like this is going to be a miserable four hours. Uh, and it wasn't, it was just windy, but it was it was fun all the same. But I actually didn't get to watch the Connacht game live, and I actually, unfortunately, made myself watch it back again today, uh, probably against uh, proper judgment, because <laughs> uh, I'd heard all about it. But uh, we'll, we'll start with that, we'll get stuck you, in all the provinces in action. If you weren't away next week, and Connacht, you know, weren't having a week off, so we're taking a break from the podcast next week uh, for one week because you're away and I kind of have a week off anyway. Uh, would you have bothered watching it back if you had or if you could have taken this week off and just said, ah, lads, look, I just couldn't get around to it. We won't record this. Would you have really? Oh, if I wasn't doing the podcast, I wouldn't watch it back. No. Yeah. No, not not a chance. Uh, well, like, I suppose it depends on how bored I was during this week, uh, to, if I was going to watch or not. And again, I watch it back at like 1.5 speed. So you get to... You really do see, uh, yeah, the ball in time or the ball in play time. It, it is so low in these games. It's all like set pieces and all that. But when I when I watch it back, the the best thing ever is the taking forward fifteen seconds on the laptop. Uh, every time there's like 
a 20 minute ref discussion and you're like click 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 and you can get through it and that actually does speed up the watch of the game it's not a two hour game when you have the ability to skip past all that no definitely yeah exactly but we'll look we'll get we'll get stuck into it uh connacht uh was away to benetton on saturday they did not win they come out defeated 41 points to 19 um sam you watch this game live and i'm sure when connacht were 12 nil up after what 10 minutes or so you must have been like here we go the train continues choo choo here we go deep into the deep into the challenge cup right yeah it looked really like what i i had said going into the game the connect were going to do it i thought benetton were kind of you know maybe feel a bit fatigued with their players coming back from the six nations and being so reliant on so many internationals them being in a bit of a fight to try and get into the top eight in the league. I, I thought it was going to be a time where kind of could pounce. We were on a really good run of form the last couple of weeks as well. You know, uh, since maybe the start of February, we've been doing quite well, especially in the league. You know, that Newcastle away game aside. So I kind of went, oh, yeah, this this looks like the opportunity for us to do it. And 10 minutes in, we hadn't actually been the better team for the opening kind of punches. But we had managed to capitalize on a huge break from Porchy off a blade pass uh, and then, you know, scored a very good try and then scored another really good try in the manner in which I thought we were going to continue the entire rest of the game, which was to be a bit one dimensional, but be bullies and to play smart uh, away team rugby and just walked our way through up to 22 and into score a try. So everything was looking rosy at that point. And I kind of went to myself like this is, you know, it's not going to be a hockey in because kind of don't do that. It will be. Probably in my like in my opinion at that time it was a we'd win thirty twenty three and it was going to be a bit of to and fro after that but we'd given ourselves enough of a, a head start and then we shat ourselves really and allowed them to come back in don't want to do them a disservice they were very good and I think that they were good before we scored the first try as well I think that they looked a little bit better it was our first trip into the twenty two by the time we scored but then you know they they continued to be good and they really had done their homework on us and capitalized on a weak blind side. Uh, after some good backs acting as forwards in the middle of the park to suck us all in. Uh, and from there, just ran riot and stuff wasn't going to hand with us. We were trying to force it a little bit sometimes. That wasn't working. We seemingly, and I know it's been a theme of the year, but we lacked a little bit of leadership. And I think it's one thing not having Jack Carty involved, but uh, I don't know if Jared Butler was injured or not, but it seems to be a mistake to, for him to have not been involved because he is a leader, you know, even... Uh, Caelan Blade said it after last week's big win that how much he does rely on having the eight there being a former captain and such an experienced player as Butler. So all in all, yeah, it was a really disappointing game. It was quite a tough afternoon to watch. I I geared myself up for a big game. I was really excited by the return of Aki and, you know, and Leva involved as well. I'm, I'm a big fan of Leva I wanted to see more of him. Jennings on the bench was there. I looked at the team and thought that was a team to do it. And it just capitulated after giving themselves 12 nil up in an away win like you you get 12 nil up in an away fixture you should make it next to impossible for a team to pull their way back into it you should really like you should have a game management tactic that allows you to not get beaten through the middle with simple plays that they stole from ireland's playbook you know two three weeks beforehand or you know simple you know two phase out and one phase back in back the blind side and a player of Marcus Watson's ability was just able to run riot. Then Rhino Smith was excellent as well. Nacho Brex, like they, they're they're a stack team, but we had shown in that opening 20 minutes that we were capable of beating them. And then we just didn't continue that on at all. And halftime came. I thought, we're not out of this. We'll regroup. The coaching ticket will 
you know, give them something to work on. They'll they'll shore it up. And actually, unfortunately, we didn't fire a shot in the second half at all. I know we scored a try, which was, was that was even that like yeah, that was a. Uh... Even the, the yeah, they didn't even really celebrate that one. Yeah, look at watching it back, and and I I was chatting to people who were who were who had seen the game, yourself included, and um, it was unfortunately one of the performances that we were hoping was was weaning out of Connacht, you know, especially with nine wins in the last twelve, and there were several several moments in in those nine games where nine, nine wins where Connacht could have collapsed and they didn't, and you were hoping okay maybe they've they've turned a corner here a little bit, uh, and yesterday just was just or Saturday sorry should I say. Was back to the old kind of oh god that's just a really really bad loss um, and that's that's really disappointing and especially with the team that was named I was like oh wow that's you know having Bundy and Mac back you said Leva actually as we just saying there in hindsight you know Leva being picked and we expect him to play well and you know he actually hasn't played in a couple of months uh, which is very difficult to come back into but like w- w- what Benetton did well is they physically they they absolutely no they kicked you know they they really battered us like they, they ran hard they, they gained every time they, they carried uh and like they just saw that connick's defensive system tends to you know they, it pinches in and kind of tre- or teases you to beat you on the outside and they absolutely did that <laughs> they they made hay out there in the wing you know one big skip pass opened up for two tries and you're sitting there and you're like you know if you're looking without scoreboard you'd be like are connick down a man here you know it seems like there's only 14 guys here because they're trying to cover up massive areas or massive gaps of space with you know, with maybe like push tactics, and it just it just looked weird. I don't know. I, I you know I slow I slow mode watched watched one of the tries in the in the in the second half, um, and like you know we have the numbers to match all their players. It's just that I think Tiernan push pinches in, uh, for no real reason, just gets bet over the top, and it's just it's so frustrating because it's there's been a lot of good this year. Like again, this is you know this is a a disappointment in in what's been a lot of good. Like in they had a great a great uh, group campaign bar that Newcastle game and it, it all looked like it was going well and it's all over now which is disappointing but um, in terms of Europe you mentioned the pinching in I saw criticism of him and I've seen criticism of Wooten in the past doing it I've seen criticism of Lowe for Ireland doing it Stockdale doing it and we have actually criticised Stockdale for doing it in the past and it it's tactical it's 100% tactical because it's not like it happens once it happens regularly during each game and blade scores a try an intercept try before halftime for against edinburgh last week when we we're under the cash off doing quite a similar thing maybe there wasn't as much space but we have we've known wooten to do it we've known pressures we've know we've we've heard from a coaching side of things that they don't buy in too much to miss tackles they want their wingers to pressurize so i don't blame o'halloran for pinching in because that is a tactical decision that's made you know but Benetton exploited that tactic and that tactic needs to be looked at if it was going to be that easily exploited because it was, wasn't was even third or fourth phase. It was first phase. It was it was two passes. And that really leaves you kind of thinking like, I know myself playing junior, whatever we're playing, J2 at this stage, that if I'm the one that gets beaten on the outside there on the first phase, I'm not looking my coach in the eye at halftime because I'm that disappointed in, in whatever it is the back line has misfired or misfunctioned you can't be beaten that wide in first phase no yeah agreed another thing as well and I, I've spoken about this on the podcast before but it just seemed like the attitude was off it, it just seemed that you know a lot of these tries were being conceded and there was again no one really seemed to get pissed off about it no one seemed to be screaming at obvious errors it just seemed to be like oh yeah we'll, we'll go underneath the post we'll, we'll regroup we'll chat and we'll try and kick on and that's that's obviously can work for some teams but it just doesn't seem to work for this kind of team and 
we'll have to talk about Bundy obviously Bundy back in after the last couple of weird months he's had with Connacht and he normally is that driving force he's normally that vocal you know that leader that guy who's screaming at everybody and you know a few people mentioned to me like it looked like Bundy didn't want to be there and I was like oh I don't know like let me watch it back myself but he definitely look he, he didn't it wasn't like he was doing nothing do you know what I mean he, he tried his he did, he did definitely tried but it did it, you know it wasn't the Bundy we saw with Ireland it wasn't the Bundy we've seen before with Connacht it was uh it was a bit of a shadow of himself wasn't it, it was that it just, it just was weird I find it very hard to lay any blame on an individual for that performance I've seen the same criticism of Bundy I've seen the people questioning whether or not he wanted to be there and I don't buy that I think Bundy plays was hard to sleeve I think that you could put Bundy in a Buccaneers jersey on a cold Sunday morning and he'd still want to give his all and he is it was a misfiring backline Blade Hawkshaw himself Farrell uh, Ford has been running right with that 12 jersey and probably feel a little bit aggrieved about not getting it but it's also good cover 10 so he makes sense to be on the bench and you do if you have your Grand Slam winning Lion available for the sixth time this year you bring him in there's no questioning that so I don't think anyone who's saying oh I never wanted to bring him in is being truthful because you you always play that player and we know how fantastic Bundy can be what didn't work and I think it was probably a tactical decision was he was playing very deep off Hawkshaw, pulling back, quite like Ireland have done, playing these pullback passes that didn't go to hand a couple of times, not taking people on on the gain line. And that must have been tactical because, you know, if as a 12, a destroying 12 or running 12 the way he can be, he does, he runs very flat and he wasn't doing that. And the rest of the back line weren't doing that either. And it just didn't click. Himself and Farrell have in the past proven to be a quality centre partnership. And another day of the week, those two can click and they could run riot against a 12, 13 of uh Menicello and Brex like that's you know that's two international standard backlines playing against each other and it just didn't work for Bundy but I don't think that he didn't want to be there I didn't get that from his performance I thought that there was one or two breaks where he looked like he was like look I need to make a break here I questioned some of his tactics in the first half you know he booted the ball and it was a poor enough kick from a restart but then I also can't criticize that because in the last couple of weeks I've been like just boot the ball from restart stop taking it up and losing the ball so you know, that's probably something that's been said in a dressing room. It's hard to put your finger on why it didn't click, but maybe comparing Bundy in a misfiring team away in Benetton in the Challenge Cup to Bundy three weeks ago in a Grand Slam winning Ireland team with a bunch of superstars playing out of their skin is it's a hard comparison to make because he's he's gone from being part of a, a very well-oiled cog in a very well-oiled machine to a misfiring disjointed group of players that really didn't get up for the occasion and have much as we've had some good games this season we've not gotten up for occasions in the past as well you know there's been two or three weeks in a row where we played well and then just the one that really meant it not happened like dragons last year or like newcastle away this year you know or ulster at home this year there there have been times where we've not gotten up for an occasion and i think bundy fell victim to that as did the whole rest of the team i thought you know, it's hard to really pick out any individual performances that were the opposite uh, and that, that did stand out. I thought Blade didn't have his best game, but you try and I thought Hansen tried as hard as it didn't really come off that well. I thought Porchy was flying for a little bit, but then when we started to come under pressure, he, he fell out of the game a little bit. Uh, and Niall Murray, again, was one that I think can hold his head up high and say, look, he made the effort. He was busy. He got around. He did his job professionally. But it's one second row in a team of 23. It's not going to win you any game. So yeah, I think it's unfair to play Bundy overall. I just I don't think he had the effect that people wanted him to after all the shit that's gone on around him with the rumors and 
the not being available because an eight week suspension. I think people just wanted a Roy of the Rovers performance. And if there was going to be a player in Connacht have to do that and to have that performance, it was it is Bundy. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. And that that has annoyed fans enough to give give them a little bit of fuel to to put out some pretty hurtful and I think unnecessary jibs at some players individually. No, I think look at yeah. Obviously, don't be attacking people or players personally, but it, it's there's there has been something going on with Bundy. We can't like there's no denying that. We don't know what it is. We don't know what happened. We may never know, but it's definitely not the same as it has been before. Um, and whatever whatever that cause is, I don't know if he fell out with Friendly. I don't know. I don't know if he's if he's fell falling out with uh with Wilkins. I don't. I don't know what the story is yet, but we kind of hope that it can at least fix itself. And like with Cardiff now in two weeks, who knows if he'll be uh, playing or not? I don't know if he'll be allowed to play. In terms, I don't know what the, the IRFU obviously thing is with wrestling players, but he it, like he's he just he definitely. He, I don't think he didn't try it the weekend. I'm not saying that at all, but he didn't seem to be his usual kind of verbose self. Um, and then, again, nobody did. And the only reason obviously people are picking on uh, on Bundy is because he's their best player. Um, and has been for some time now and he's been that leader uh, but you're right it was all over the pitch it wasn't just him by any means but I don't know it, it, we'll find out I'm sure hopefully at some stage what the, what the situation is but I don't think you can say that it hasn't been a different scenario with Bundy or even like games where he's not playing he wasn't there you know how many clips have we seen over the years of and not the recent one he was in holidays and he was well deserved to that but throughout the year even when he was suspended you know you don't see those clips of him on the sideline screaming at people and uh, and being so involved and there and present and it's just I don't know uh, some something's up something something was up hopefully it was cleared uh, he's back playing and, and all that and I said you kind of mentioned the sound there where it was uh, it was across the pitch and not just Bundy and we've had a few games this year you mentioned the Ulster Leinster where it was kind of across the board with lads not showing up and, and not being in, I don't know in the right mental state or whatever it is why do we think that is? Why is that the case with this team? That it's not just when it's not just one lad who doesn't show up. It seems to be the entire team at times. It's hard to put your finger on it. I think I'm looking at the team sheet here. I actually think, and I know I probably harp on about him too much, but I think Connor Connor, Connor Oliver was actually quite good at the weekend. Uh, fortunate not to get a red card, and thank God he didn't because he would have missed the Cardiff game. But yeah, he's one that brings a little bit of energy. Brendy said it after the Edinburgh game when he looked at Connor Oliver in the dressing room. He's like, that's the player that I gauge like the mentality from. I see him in the dressing room and he's up for it and I know everyone's going to be up for it. And I just, I think we've said a couple of times this season that maybe we're missing some big leaders in that team. Like we had Jared Butler was captain for a few years and then he was relinquished with his captain's duty and give, he was given a jack. And Butler's actually been back to his better form since he's not been captain. So probably the right decision overall but you know what what was weighing down on him as a captain we were missing Carty at the weekend and I don't think Carty's absence can be overstated for Connick like Hawkshaw will develop into a great player I still think that we're probably missing a good deputy for Carty at 10 if Carty's out for prolonged periods of time like he had six weeks off earlier this season and then this is another three weeks now so you're talking about nine nine odd games there he's missed and that's a lot to be putting on a 23-year-old Hawkshaw or a 21-year-old Ford or, you know, Fitzy's out for the rest of the season, but he's only 25 as well. So maybe a good deputy at more, car, not Carty's level of experience, but that that similar sort of the 100 capper is something that we're missing. Uh, but it does, it just stems, it seems to stem from when it's not going well, there seems to be a little 
lack, a lack of leadership. And when it is going well, I think that everyone seems to rise to it. So you know, Wesley always talks about like a Paul O'Connell leading from the front and doing something and you know making you feel like you have to do it. Maybe that's just what we're missing. And it's hard to put your finger on who that can be. I'm kind of hoping maybe Joe Joyce comes in and comes because he's captain Bristol on numerous occasions this year and last. He's a, he's a very experienced head. He's played Irish under twenties, but he could, you know, he could well push for an international spot if, if there was room in Ireland, but at the moment, the, the second rows are quite stacked. Uh, outside of that, it's it, to me, it's just a lack of leadership. And I don't know if that's a personnel thing, if that's a coaching thing, if that's the fact that, the uh, we had a mental skills coach, uh, JB. His name was on Instagram. He seems to have gone. I think he's in Harlequins now. And by all accounts, he's not being replaced. There might be someone in in position that we're not aware of. That's not like publicly advertised, but doesn't seem to be. And that if is that if that is the issue, that's quite telling because it does it does seem that when when it's not going well for one, the whole team are affected, and when it's going well for one, the whole team are on top. Yeah, when we click, we click as a team. I can't remember any games where we've gone like to Edinburgh last week and gone, oh yeah, so-and-so didn't really do too well, but thank God the others around him. Everyone kind of just is on song when it's going well, but when it's not going well, everyone's kind of the same, it falls back, whereas other teams might have, you know, a poor game, but their forwards will win it for them or something along those lines. And that's just not been a place we've been at this season or maybe last season either. Yeah, true. Uh, on that note, actually, we asked for a few questions on Twitter. Um, Anna sent one in. Uh, on if they don't have one already should Connacht seek a full-time sports psychologist uh, or someone like that instead of saying oh, the player we we know the player talent is there just sometimes you wonder do they believe that themselves and I think that's actually we've talked about this before and you mentioned there that they did have one uh, but he was, he didn't seem to be replaced and yeah like that's the thing like the talent's there and that's sometimes the most frustrating part is like you're looking at that team you're like god that's actually a really good team and you know they're ahead of Benton in the league, and they go and they just to put up a bit of a stinker like that, um, which is you know it sucks for them too. The players don't they don't like this. They're not sitting there going like, oh god, you know what? I actually think we had a really good game. We just got pipped at the post. You know they're very aware of what also happened on Saturday. Yeah, maybe getting someone in like that. I think look at every every sports team, every professional sports team. Um, seems to have one, so I think if you, if you don't have one in this day and age, I think you're only going to go backwards, right? So I mean, that's we kind of you have to have one in this day and age. Professional sport has embraced psychology to no end. Like golf, I'm I'm quite into golf, and you're into golf, and you've lent me some books, and I've been reading about them, and it's actually changed my game. And you look at professional golfers going out of their way to hire people to bring people on tour with them. You look at professional football teams, Premiership teams, yo know, teams full of players from maybe socioeconomic backgrounds that wouldn't really want to embrace psychology but it is it's been embraced right across the board and Connick did have that in place we are speculating and saying that he wasn't replaced you know Connick and all Irish rugby and European rugby teams aren't hugely open with a lot of their information it's very hard to get details on contract lengths who's coming in who's going uh, what's going on behind the scenes and if a person is employed in connect it doesn't necessarily mean it's freely available information but it is seeming to be the way because we did know about jb being in place beforehand so it that does it looks like that is missing and if that is missing it seems to be so it, it in my in my opinion would be an extremely important acquisition this year to bring someone in because i look at that team and i you know we've spoken to players off the record and on the record who have been so complimentary of the abilities of these players, players that have come from the likes of Leinster into this setup and said, look, there's 
class here. There's a, enough there to be a top five, six team to push. You know, we could jump Munster with two good results this the next week and week or two. That would put us, you know, third in the Irish Shield. And that's the strongest shield out of all of them, really. Like you're looking at South African teams not being as effective as they thought they'd be across the board. So it's a great group of players, but getting to that next level, stepping up again psychologically is something that is going to be important for us if we're going to maintain, if we're not just going to step up for one year, if we're going to do it consistently, we need we need everyone to be on song. And I think every sports team, every professional sports team in the world has embraced psychology to some regard. So you want to see that in place. Yeah, I think as well, and the, the the like taking a step back here, you want to you want to take advantage of uh, of a team when they are when they are maybe at their peak. You know, I'm not saying kind of at the peak now, but look at Ulster. Ulster maybe thought that they'd have years to potentially win a URC or a Champions Cup, and it looks like you know obviously it depends on how this year goes, but it, that that window may have closed. You know what I mean? It, it, it with this batch of players, you might need a new batch of players to come in. Um, and Canada have a really good batch of players at the moment, and next year getting even more, you know, talented players coming in with obviously Santiago signing. Uh, but you want to have everything in place that when you get all the talent in on the on the pitch, that you you know you all execute and you all fire at the same time. Uh, I I think that a lot of that comes from psychology with with the players. And as you said, yeah, we don't know. It's not listed on the on the staff on their website. There's no you know sports psychologist listed, but that doesn't mean that someone else isn't fulfilling that role. We also, if you look at Connacht, you know, Bundy and Farrell were in the twelve thirteen the weekend, but we have a for Connacht standards anyway, sensational group of twenty four and younger players. Uh, we have. You know, a team that you wouldn't be really worried about putting out in some URC games of players that are 23, 24 and younger and embracing sports psychology through the growing of them, through the development of them, through their formative years and into their kind of their peak years, which is that 24 to more 25 to 30 sort of time period, which is where you want them to really shine. You have to bring someone in if that's going to be the case, if there isn't someone in place already. Yeah, uh, another question came in uh, was kind of what players are currently coming to the end of their contracts uh, and where do you see additions being needed at certain positions? Um, players coming to the end of their contracts, we don't really know obviously for sure what the contract situation is with some, with some players. Um, we have heard there's more players to be signed. I think someone coming at the 10 position. Um, now whether that's to challenge Jack or to back Jack up, we we don't know that uh, part uh, to be to be um, to be sure. Uh, but I, I want to focus on where do we where do we want additions uh, needed? Uh, what positions? Um, I think I'll, well, I'll start off. I think you know the likes of Leva, who we didn't really get to see week in week out, obviously just because of rotation and obviously the talents of the likes of Niall Murray, Oshin Darling, and Gavin Thornbury when fit. But someone of that stature, someone of that kind of Again, like a neighbor and Papali that we used to have, uh, but like at the weekend there, you know, Benetton had those physical specimens to come in and, you know, win the game line and and get that fast ball to get out to their backs who cut us apart, um, and it's not that we don't have big players, but just that kind of that cut or that that kind of player that will dominate a game physically sometimes. Like Oliver tries to, but Oliver's you know he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's obviously tough as nails and tough as old boots, but. Having someone in like, uh, maybe Joe Joyce is the answer to that question, who's coming in. But, Sean Jan um, as well. 
Yeah, Giannis as well. Giannis as well, who we've heard, could be that. That uh, I hope that those players are that type of players, and that would be great because I do think we need that for a game like that yesterday. You know, your big games in the year to have a pack that can physically live with most teams. Obviously, it's very tough to live with the likes of Leinster or or South Africans with all their internationals. But to go to a Benetton and and be out physical or out muscled um, isn't normally a great sign either. So uh, I'll start with that one, Sam. What about yourself? For that one, I actually think Joe Joyce and Jansen were, were brought in. I think Joyce was brought in as a, a, a better Irish qualified replacement for Fafida. Uh, Fafida hasn't. I've been I'm really excited about Fafida when he signed. I've, I've been quite excited about some of the performance of him, but he's not kicked on for us and he's not been used much. And to me, that would sh- scream that the coaching ticket are waiting for him to move on, which is unfortunate uh, because I like him and I, I wanted to see more of him and I thought he was exactly what we needed. But yeah, himself and Jansen... I think uh, Joe Joyce and Jansen were brought in for that reason. I'm looking at the team there the weekend and, you know, Heffernan, you pulled at halftime. The lineout misfired for the first time all season. It's been one of the best lineouts in the league. I think second best rated lineout in the league, both offensively and defensively. And it didn't it didn't click for us there with Heffernan. And I don't know, was he pulled for an injury or was he tired or was he just not working? And Daniel T. Martin came in. I actually, I, I think that we're going to regret deeply not re-signing Delahunt if the rumours of him moving on are true. We had heard that he was linked with Munster and I've heard since that, no, he's not going anywhere and he's just packing rugby completely. But uh, to bring in someone like Declan Moore, I think uh, from Ulster to replace someone of Delahunt's ability is, I think, a mistake because I think Delahunt is on form our best hooker. I think Heffernan has had a resurgence this year, but he had a couple of years there where he wasn't as good as Delahunt and I love watching Delahunt. But yeah, uh, it's hard to put your finger on exactly what we need and what positions we need without being critical of players that I really highly rate. Because like you said, I think psychologically, if you can get those players clicking, I think that there's enough ability there that I wouldn't be changing too much in the starting 15. I think Santiago's coming in to play 15. Uh, Tiernan, I, I think, would accept that he has not been at his own best form for a good long time now. He's had patches this year. Uh, but yeah, Santiago coming in at 15. For me... If Carty's going to be as integral as he is for us and then missing and Hawkshaw being brilliant at 12 so far this year, but still being young for a 10 and not, you know, you don't want him to be bouncing between the two. You want him as an emergency cover at 10. I think bringing in someone, and I'm not saying this player in particular, but someone of, you know, JJ Hanrahan's standing to be a backup to Carty to play from the 60th minute onwards so that Carty's not playing full 80 minutes a lot because he does play 80 minutes when he plays and also to cover for him if he's injured because you go back to having a young Hawkshaw who's learning the system and who's playing very well at 12 or a very young Ford who's playing really well at 12 and moving them to 10. And that's, I think that's disrupting the team on two in two regards. You're you're losing them out at 12 and then you're also putting them into 10 where it's not clicking. Carty is a swagger player and that's what allows us to play and he's integral to how we play. So yeah, replacing that backup 10 really. And I don't want to do Fitzy a disservice, but he's not kicked on as much this year. And now he's injured for the rest of the season. And we just don't know where he's at for next season. Like the contract situation with a lot of players isn't the most freely available. Hearing that Adam Byrne isn't going to be re-signed and might be moving on. That's a shame because he never really got going. But, you know, you said about Fafida. Yeah, we've got a wealth of second rows there. With Joe Joyce coming in, Gavin Thornbury, the two Marais, Dowling. So I'm not too worried there. I like what I'm seeing from Hurley Langdon. I think that he has a good opportunity to push on. I think Boyle has had some good things this year. Uh, but if it's you're looking for another signing, it would be to re-sign Delahunt personally and uh, to get a, a backup 10. They would be my two in, important ones. 
Yeah, it, look, it's tough. It's not just about signing names. You have to make sure that they fit into the system. They fit into with other players. Yeah, like you are. Yeah, you have some exciting signs coming next year. Like Joe Joyce, Jansen, Santiago off the, off the top. Um, you got Sean O'Brien four point coming down, who's pretty highly touted. Um, you've got these sevens players. Like you can sign all the lads you want, but like you already look at those sevens players that have been signed. You're like, where? When are they going to play? Where are they going to play? Who are they going to play with? You know, you can only play 15 lads at a time, especially the backs. You know, the running joke on Twitter is that Connacht kind of love a speedy back, and it's true, they do. Uh, it seems to be the type of player that wants to come and play with Connacht, maybe just due to the style of play. But um, at the end of the day, as, as our friend Owen Harrison always says, it, it's a con- it's a physical game and it's a contact game, and it's about, you know, getting gaining yards. Uh, and sometimes when you're not doing that or your pack's not having a great day, it doesn't matter how speedy your backs are or how exciting they are. If they're running backwards all the time, uh, it's it's not the best. Uh, but look, I said it's it's not that easy. But um, another question was what went wrong on Saturday from uh, Merlene. I probably mispronounced that. We kind of she she said as well missing. Or, or sorry, uh, they said missing JB for me. He's an important leader on the pitch. Uh, we kind of talked about that as well. Uh, and Pat, who's a loyal listener, said we should have won this competition, and anything less is a massive failure. There, in quotation marks. So I think he's being uh, a tad sarcastic there, Pat. I hope Pat. Anyway, <laughs> he said thanks. Um, yeah, we also then uh, we had a, a message from Brian Duffy who messaged me uh, just for a discussion point in the pod, and he said we all know that we're aiming for Champions Cup qualification because of the revenue uh, and the competition, uh, but are we realistically good enough to compete in that when we can't even progress deep in the Challenge Cup? Uh, which is a a very good point to make and yeah you're right the Champions Cup is appealing I think mainly because of the revenue it brings and you're hoping that if you can survive the Champions Cup for a few years with the added revenue you can build on that to become a Champions Cup team that actually competes uh, but you're right like there's no anyone who tells you Connor can go deep into a Champions Cup run is 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 just you know is lying to you um but we have at the moment we have the chance to still qualify for Champions Cup with a couple of games or two games left well, on that, I said it to you guys a couple of months ago and rightfully you told me that I was wrong. I said, look, if you've got a new coaching ticket coming in, you've got a bunch of players there that can, you got through the group stages quite handily. The Newcastle game is a disappointment, but, you know, Benetton away was a challenging game. We come up against Dragons away and we go like, that's a must win game. So that, that's the standard that we're at. We're a 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th sort of team, middle, middle of the table. Getting into the Champions Cup wasn't necessarily, I think, super important for us it was the idea that you want to try and solidify yourself in that top eight uh, but actually next year having the coaching ticket have the challenge cup group stages to play in was probably more beneficial for them as a playing group but you have to look at Connex finances and you have to look at the IR, at the IRFU's finances and how they back teams and how they, how they take a risk on giving you finances for players and being in the Champions Cup or yeah, the Heineken Cup the Cha- Champions Cup is not just important in terms of like the revenue for your, you get your ticket sales, you get more people coming in through the gate. You also get more TV time. So you get more sponsorship opportunities. So you get all of these things that will add up into the coffers for the IRFU because we feed into the IRFU and they will then be like, okay, there is some finances available to bring in a non-Irish qualified backup 10 or a non-Irish qualified South African World Cup winner. Let's put them there because they've been in the Champions Cup for three years. And that's where you want to be. You want to be consistently qualifying for the Champions Cup so that you can justify asking for big financial input. And that is going to be very important in the next couple of years because we are paying for a new stadium. New pitch went in this year uh, outside of the stadium and the back back kind of behind the scenes stuff is going to be developed over summer 
and then the stadium is going to have a development. So you're going to need all the financial help you can get. So being on TV, like I paid seven ninety nine to watch that match the weekend. You know, uh, Genesis don't want their jersey plastered across the seven ninety nine streaming platform. They want it plastered across BT. They want Andy Good and Jim Hamilton talking about Connacht and flashing Genesis up nonstop. That's where your advertising and investment comes from. So there's a, a lot of things that come with qualifying for the Champions Cup. If those things weren't important, if the financial side of things weren't important, unfortunately, sport is business. But if it wasn't, yeah, I actually think being in the Challenge Cup for a new coaching ticket with a young team would be the better option for Connacht next year. I think we looked at this team and we're disappointed because this is a competition that we feel we could go deep in. Whereas I don't think when we're playing Racing away next year that that is truthful. I think everyone wants to say it is, but it's not going to be the case. I think we can be competitive with teams on our day, but to go deep into the Champions Cup is going to be very difficult. Whereas we are disappointed now doing this podcast because that Benetton game was a winnable game. The next game after that would have been Cardiff, which we know is a winnable game. And then who knows what happens after you win those games? That is why we're disappointed because this is actually competition we could have won. And it could be very beneficial for the coaching ticket in place. We, you know, Muldoon coming in, Cully Tucker staying on, uh, Wilkins moving up to the head roll. It could be really beneficial for them to work in this competition, to have a cup run, to have some winnable aways, winnable homes. The likes of a Breve was this year. That would have been more beneficial if the finances weren't the most important thing, but you know, sport is a business and we are not able to sit here and criticize the IRFU and the powers of be iconic for not signing every South African world cup winner. If we're not in the champions cup, like it's, you can't have it both ways unless you get some sort of sugar daddy like they do in the premiership and they get a bunch of money pumped into them. You can't have it both ways. You know, we we've not been consistently in the champions cup uh, and we need to start being consistently in the champions cup to justify making signings as big as the likes of Santiago, which was the biggest signing in history, really, out, outside of Mills Mulliane, I think it, this is the most established player we've got ever signed. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure part of it, Santiago also is, I'm sure he's buying into, I'm sure he had offers that are probably more lucrative, I'm sure he's probably buying into what he believes is is uh, is, a, is an upcoming team. But like, yeah, you, you're right, Connacht are at their absolute ceiling in the URC. Like, they are not better than any team above them. Um, and you could argue teams behind them are better teams overall uh, than where they sit in the in the, cha- in the URC, and uh, you have to be realistic about that as well. Um, are they uh, are they a good Challenge Cup team? Yeah, I think they can be a good Challenge Cup team. They are probably now a good Challenge Cup team on their day, as you said. Um, but are they a Champions Cup team? No, like you know, Ulster are out at the stage. Um, uh, but let, look, Muldoon was. We have to talk with him. Uh, he was announced last week that he is coming in uh, as coach, which is obviously fantastic news uh, for all Connick fans. Uh, it was kind of tired for a while. We were overall obviously pretty positive about it, but we still have questions over whether he his, his coaching credentials, which I think is fair, uh, having only had one job previously with Bristol, and Bristol weren't in the best form over the last kind of year or so. But we were talking about mental fortitude, Sam, and there's one thing you can say about John Muldoon is that he brings a lot of that uh, in his career. Um, uh, but uh, do you think he'll, th- that can also uh, help this team in the future uh, and talk about the appointment in general really happy with the appointment there was rumours when the friend news was announced and they were looking and it was open to applications it was rumours that he was going to be brought in as a head coach I was very worried about that considering the uh, the single job in Bristol you know no head coach qualification no head coach I didn't want us to be an experimental team that was bringing through young Irish coaches in head coach roles when they weren't qualified for it. So I'm really happy that he's brought in in a role that he's qualified for. 
And I think he's a perfect fit for Connacht because he is the player, you know, I spoke about a lack of leadership on the pitch. If I could have pl- if I could have picked any player that since I became a season ticket holder in 2013, 2014, I, I would pick John Muldoon to come out of retirement and play in that game because he would have grabbed people. He would have done what Wesley says, Paul O'Connell does. He would have led from the front and that's what we've been missing a little bit since we lost him. So he knows Connacht. He's been, he played his entire career at Connacht. He is well-respected in that dressing room. And if he's not well-respected by someone, they will get a talking to from others because there's players like, you know, Blade, Heffernan, Murray, uh, Bundy there, who's like, you know, O'Halloran, who they played near him, around him, under him, watched him growing up. And that's so important for the culture, I think. I think having a player of that stature or to come back is going to be an added boost. Uh, and he will bring a wealth of experience and understanding. You know, you can look at Bristol's record this year and last year and kind of start to question, you know, how well is he done? But I don't buy too much into how a coach does based on just on the previous teams. You know, there's an interview process. They're not going to bring him in for the sake of it. They're not going to bring him in if he wasn't qualified. They're not going to bring him in if they didn't feel he was the best man for the job. So I'm really happy with the appointment and I'm excited. And I think that it made the Deval Senegal news a little bit more palatable because that was a big worry because he has shown this year, you know, that set piece um, himself, Cully Tucker, like that has been phenomenal and that is uh, an area Connacht have traditionally struggled. And this year has been a weapon on both sides, you know, scrums and line outs on both sides of the ball. So losing him was going to be a big worry. And now, you know, having Muldoon come in, I'm, I'm quite happy with it because he knows the club and he knows everyone. So really exciting uh, appointment. And I think it was unfortunate that this, Benetton game came the week after because it was a re- it was an uplifting week with the Edinburgh win with that announcement with the really cool footage you know everything about the week was really gearing up the Santiago news the week before it was everyone was kind of on a high and that's why I think the anticipation for this Benetton game came from because every, everything kind of were doing a lot of stuff right the even the manner in which they're announcing things they, they were getting a lot of things right and I think it was getting harder for the naysayers to criticize them and this has given them a little bit a little bit back, you know, the, the naysayers, the boards.ie folk are, are able to throw the rotten tomatoes because it, it was a bad result. But yeah, the the Muldoon one, I'm I'm really happy with. I think he's the type of guy in the background that you need. You need someone with that experience, that standing in the club, that understanding of where we are and that passion for the place as well. Yeah, I think overall it's good. I'm looking forward to his first day back. It'll be a good atmosphere in, in sports ground. But look, we've spoken enough about Cats. It's been over 40 minutes now and it's... Uh, it wasn't even a win. Imagine so, we had uh, won, yeah. <laughs> I know, imagine we had won. Uh, but look, our Connacht weren't the only Irish team to be knocked out at the weekend. Uh, we'll turn our attention to Munster. Uh, Munster lost to the Sharks in the Champions Cup, 50 points to 35. Uh, Sam, and that makes, I think it's over 140 points in the last three games. Munster have shipped 147 potentially. Um, I, like, where do we start with this? Is this a bit like Connacht? Was this a bit more of a, a reality check of actually how good the team is? Like, Munster have been on a great run there up until the last kind of month, and they seem to really turn around and seem to be only going in one direction. Uh, and in the last three weeks, we sort of maybe, maybe, is this what they really are in terms of levels? I think it's leveled out all right. Uh, they went on a run that was above them for a couple of weeks, they were playing out of their skin. But this season, any Munster fan going into this season with anything other than a bit of trepidation in terms of like you're growing a new coaching ticket, you've got a group of players that last season were being criticized for not being good enough. They're not suddenly going to change. So, yo, I think Roundtree had started poorly and people 
started writing him off and then he started playing really well and people said he was second coming of Jesus but I think that they've actually just leveled out and unfortunately the games weren't coming one you know it wasn't two and fro and gradually throughout the season it was very much at the start then there was a big purple patch and now this has happened the last couple of weeks and they've had a bit of a reality check and they've given themselves a lot of work-ons for the summer so they've put themselves out of this competition they were beaten by a stacked uh, Sharks team you know a, a Sharks team that have underperformed all season but there's no denying the, you know, I'm looking to Toy, Etzebeth, um, Banley, Oxnish, Bosch, McPimpy, Lucamio Am, Vernacock. Like, what a team. Like, uh, they're just so, so stacked. So it's, yeah, it's a bit of a reality check for Munster, but I think it's one when you look back at the season, I don't think that they would have expected to win these games in their first year under the new coaching system. So uh, they'll take the learnings, they will work on it. I think defensively, they were. Struggling, but they scored scored five tries. Scoring tries isn't an issue for them this season. And you can build a good team around a team that can score tries. You know, they're going to sign one or two players, I presume. They've already signed a 12 for Fekito is leaving. Uh, Frisch has looked very good all season. I can only see him growing. Casey is kind of becoming that, that first choice. He didn't have a good game at the weekend, but he is becoming that first choice. They went with Jack Crowley ahead of Carberry, which is a big statement at the time. I thought players like Daly and Nash had good games. So there, there's there's little bits there that they'll take from it. But all in all, no, it was a disappointing game for them. A tough away loss. From a Connick point of view, hard to know what you wanted, really. You know, did you want them to win that game so that they have another game this weekend before flying back out to South Africa, which makes, you know, getting those wins in South Africa in the league harder because Connacht can jump Munster if we get five points and they don't get anything from the next two. Uh, that would be huge for Connacht, just, you know, a statement just to kind of get get us there in the end of the friend era and also for his, his record. From a Connacht point of view, you would have wanted to see that. Uh, from the other side of it, they now had a demoralizing loss in Sharks and they have to go back there in two weeks' time, which is very tough. But then they could also say, like, we got a point, we got five tries. So it's a really hard one to put your finger on whether or not it was positive or negative for Connacht. And I think only time will tell. But yeah, Monster will be licking their wounds and they've got a lot of work to do if they're going to get home, get back on the train and pitch for two weeks and then get back to South Africa and try and get something from that. Uh, so it, it's, yeah, it was a big, big eye opener for them. But I don't think it was necessarily out of character with the season. I think the season was just a weird narrative. The, the way that it flowed this year, I think that they they had a bigger purple patch than they would have expected. And results like this were always going to come. I just didn't think that they'd have they didn't think they'd have three in a row after such a long purple patch. I think it was a it was probably they would have preferred them sporadically spread out and they could have just said, look, it was an underperforming season. We had peaks and troughs, but we will regroup. Whereas they gave themselves the idea that they were going to be competitive by having such a purple patch in the middle of the season there. Yeah, as well, it's just shipping that much, that many points is very unmonster. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they, uh, we've often said here before, they have the mental strength that we wish Connacht had uh, at several at several times this year. Um, and yeah, finished going off to South Africa now. It's look, you can't write Munster off going to South Africa. It would be very monster like to go and beat the Stormers in two weeks' time and. Uh, and you know, clinch whatever they need to clinch, and and, and you know, shut all, shut all of us up. Uh, but it's just not easy. Um, but I think uh, Owen Harrison, I've seen him pretty uh, publicly on Twitter as well, saying that they need to sign and need to bolster a few positions, especially maybe the front row and in the pack, um, if they want to compete with the likes of Leinster and the likes of these South African teams, uh, which I'm sure they will. I said they have pretty good financial backing uh, compared to other teams. 
Um, they'll always be attractive, I think, to players to go there just to the history and, and all that. So um, I think the next couple of years should be kind of good for Munster. It's just how long it actually will take uh, to get there. Um, the last two Irish teams that were in uh, competition were actually playing each other. We had Leinster versus Ulster in Champions Cup. Uh, Ulster were, were nearly out of the Champions Cup uh, and last day they clawed back into it only to face Leinster but uh, they come out uh, second best uh, Leinster bet them 30 points to 15 um, a Leinster without Johnny Sexton uh, but still still just get the job done and I think you know we, we view Ulster as a really really good European team and a really really good URC team but again we've talked about levels with Munster I think we have to talk about levels here again with Leinster this is just uh a step or two above this Ulster team. Yeah, Leinster are unbeaten all season. They're a step or two above everyone. It's, you know, you're waiting to see what a La Rochelle or a Toulouse or someone like that can do to them. But of all the teams they could have faced, I thought Ulster were the team that would give them the best impersonation of that. You know, Ulster are a mauling phenomenon this season. You know, they've not had the best results all the time, but they have been unbelievable in the the tight they've been really well drilled there and i thought that they this was going to be you know i didn't think also were going to win but i thought that they were the the perfect sort of trial version of this but leinster just had a step up they you know they they had players like ryan baird james ryan who you know should have been man of the match jack conan was man of the match he, he was pretty good uh ross Byrne was grand he ran it pretty well but you know henshaw and jimmy o'brien in centers made McCluskey and Hume look fairly average and McCluskey and Hume could easily be an Irish partnership in a game in the Autumn International that that's you know a, a strong 12-13 so it was a tough day for Ulster but I think that they will have learned much like Connacht that a backup 10 is very important Billy Burns has been very important for them more so when Cooney's playing but with Doak there as well you know, Billy Burns has been an important player for Ulster for a couple of years now and I think he's actually gets a little bit of undue stick and is much better than people give him credit for he he allows Ulster to play when they're playing well he allows them to play that way but when he went off and more came on and uh, Mike Lowry went to 10 it just it it was never going to be something that Ulster could do from that point on and that's the worry uh, there's a funny kind of criticism of Balakoon not getting as involved as low or Hansen would do. Uh, I don't think that's fair on him because it's tactical. He's a right winger. He's playing out on that right wing and he's keeping the width there and allowing Stockdale to come in. That's you know that's the tactics that they play and that's not Balakoon's fault. And if he's brought into a game more, he can do that. But I don't think that he was enabled to do that or allowed to do that. So all in all, that Leinster team, it's just a step above Ulster and I think it's just a step above everyone in the league. You know, they, they easily walk the league and I think they're going to go far in Europe and they're going to ha- have eyes on Yo, this is a home run to the final and they, they don't have to go away again this season. That's what they're going or outside of the South Africa trip, but that's what they're going to eye up. They're going to want to be successful and they're going to want to use the home thing. I think that the uh, Champions Cup did something weird with the scheduling. The Leicester have a six-day turnaround. They're not going to be able to bring a wealth of fans over. You know, Leicester are traveling fan base. I think that's stupid. You know, week on, week off in this competition to give you know, fans an opportunity to buy tickets, organize hotels. Dublin's one of the most expensive places a tourist to go. Leicester aren't going to be able to fill half of what Ulster did. So if if I was Leinster, I'd have that in the RDS, have it packed and make it, you know, a fortress, make it feral and make it really hard for Leicester to get anything from it, which it will be anyway. But, you know, half empty Aviva is not going to be half as good for that one. You know, I understand the Aviva for this game, but I don't see the point of Aviva. They're not going to sell it out. And I don't think they will. I don't think Leicester are going to bring as many. It's an expensive day out for Leinster fans, you know, 
they're not short of money down there, but it isn't easy to be going to a you know Champions Cup knockouts week in, week out. So yeah, you go back, look at that game, and I think that Ulster will know that they were never really going to win that game. They they made a decent show of themselves. They can look at a few positive aspects and they can take a lot of learnings from it. But yeah, Leinster didn't really have to push out of any any third gear there. It just some breaking news in the podcast uh, as as we're recording, uh, which is not going to help Ulster fans. Jordy Murphy is retiring at the end of the year. Uh, he just announced on Instagram he's retiring from professional rugby at the end of the current season. Only thirty one years of age, um, and a, a fantastic player uh, throughout his career. A lot of injuries, I'm sure. Yeah, thirty one still young to be to be retiring, but um, yeah, just some breaking news there. I just saw on Instagram as we were recording, so wishing him the best. Um, I think a, a player that will sometimes get forgotten, which he shouldn't be, of how good he was, especially when he was at Leinster. Um, you know we're we're all very much spoiled with the wealth of uh, back rows now, but he was of that class a couple of years ago and has moved to and fairness moved up to Ulster when a lot of players probably wouldn't have. Um, so I have to say credit to him there, but uh, going to be a loss leadership wise and on the pitch for Ulster next year. Uh, but best wishes to him and his his next endeavors. But um, yeah, thirty one young to be retiring, Sam. Yeah, but he's had big, big periods of injury recently. Didn't he have a lot of concussions? Now, I don't want to be saying something that's not true, but I'm I'm fairly certain that he had concussions, uh, if I can remember correctly. Like, Ulster fans, if I'm misremembering that, let me know. that. But uh, no, he has not been around as much as they would have liked because he, when he has played, he's been excellent for them, but he's not been around as much as he would have liked the last two years. I think the move up to Ulster was with a view of keeping his Irish place and pushing on and kind of maintaining that and it didn't work out that way be that through injury or be that because you, we know who gets called into Irish camps when it's a, it's a two horse race it's the ones who are in the Leinster camp and that's fair like we were talking to Marion and he was kind of saying like they're playing they're winning every single game you can't discredit that point like they're, they're all singing off the same hymn sheet so yeah, that might have counted against him in the long run, but the idea was that he moved up with a with a plan to keep his Irish place and to push on and continue to get his Irish place. And it's you know through a mix of injury and maybe not as much form that's not happened. But yeah, that's a big loss for them, a uh, big loss for potentially Spain as well. Because I always had eyes that he was you know he stand, stood down from the Irish team long enough that he could have played and declared for Spain. So that's a big loss for them uh, if they had ever wanted to try that but no it's a it's a shame when you see someone retiring at that age it's re- it really is like that's younger than me that's uh, so sad like i retired i retired from professional rugby like 20 years ago <laughs> yeah uh exactly uh let's play our favorite game sam how many caps does jordy murphy have for ireland this is a tough one 38 oh 30 on the nose 30 on the nose. Yeah, but 107 appearances for Leinster, 62 uh, currently with Ulster. Um, you know, uh, has played, played a lot of rugby uh, internationally and club, uh, so more than entitled to, to go out uh, on top, so pl- fair play to him. Um, that kind of sums up all of our rugby to cover, Sam. We covered all the Irish uh, provinces. Um, disappointing, like, you know, after round one of the knockouts, only one team remains from Ireland, and of course it is Leinster, um, who I'm sure will get to a final. Um, whether they win or not, obviously, uh, you can't you can't say they will because the last few years they haven't. Uh, but they're they're going strong as ever, and it looks like Ring Rose is potentially back for this weekend, which is great to see. Obviously, because it looked like a pretty drastic knock that he got, uh, in that final game against England. But it looks like he could be back this weekend. Um, and yeah, um, anything from a Connacht point of view, we have two weeks off now, and we know that Connacht have tactically used uh announcements 
in these these kind of fallow periods and to bolster season ticket sales and to get people back on form is there an announcement or two that you think might go down quite well you know i'm i'm still waiting to hear even if he is moving which i really don't think he is from from our sources that he's signing on for another year for connect and it's just not been announced yet by the RFU. but if he is moving on you just kind of like to know at this stage with bundy like i just you know the ambiguity around what's happening like we understand we we, we believe that Alan Bird is finished we believe that Adela Hunt's moving on we believe we're in for some sort of 10 signing. We believe we're in for a prop signing at the end of last year, and that didn't happen. Robson McCoy was brought in for a one year. He's not been renewed yet, so is he staying on? Are we signing someone else? That There is still some ambiguity around the team that I would love cleared up in this two-week follow period that we have now before the Cardiff game, because if you're going to get the fans to buy tickets to the Cardiff game, to make it a, a hotbed for that game to get everyone up for Cardiff is a hard game to get up for because of what scar tissue that exists. I think a couple of announcements would be quite good just to try and, you know, maybe regenerate a little bit of positivity around the club. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And like, uh, that's the problem with rugby. It's like, Oh yeah, we want you to buy season tickets. We want you to support the club financially with all your time, but we're also going to tell you as little as possible and only tell you when it's like we want to tell you. And like that's sort of a shitty situation to be in. Uh I personally would obviously like more transparency, but I also I can see as I'm quite a level headed supporter, whereas there's a lot of non level headed supporters out there who uh would take the transparency and, and, and probably, you know, run with it or make stuff up. But no, you're right. It's a, a massive game in two weeks. Uh you know, I'm sure the players would rather it was this weekend so they could get back out after after this weekend's performance. Uh, but you know they get a week to regroup. Uh, hopefully Jack can get healthy. Uh, I don't really know the status on his injury, but I think he was touch and go up up into the game for a few days before it. So um, hopefully it's not too bad in that sense. Uh, Finley, we heard was looking to be back by the end of April. So Finley could be huge if we do get him back. But maybe Ireland are going to be like, do not risk that lad. We want him for the World Cup. So you're not sure about that. And Ralston as well, by the end of April, I think Ralston has been missing a little bit because Farrell's played more this year than he had done in the last couple of years in a row. So having another 13 there would be quite important for me. Uh, And unfortunately, Bolton, who was supposed to start the Edinburgh game, couldn't with an injury, was supposedly quite a significant one. I hope that's not the last we've seen of him. So, you know, two weeks maybe to get a little bit of fitness back into a couple of heads. You know, we were missing Josh Murphy. He was out with a knock as well. Uh, I think you you want to see more of him because even if he's doing the dirty work, he's doing it well and he's a type of player that rounds people. So, yeah, from Connick's point of view, two weeks to get back fit, get players on the pitch, get working on things and really put just the backlash on Cardiff. Hopefully they have a tough away now against uh, Benetton this weekend and they get beaten around the shop and scrape through so their eyes aren't even on the competition and yeah that's that's the goal really that we're all card yeah fans. i think you're if you're going to bed on you're gonna you're gonna be sore for a couple of days afterwards we saw that the weekend but yeah as i said uh we'll be back uh, to talk about then we are taking next week off just to do the fact that i'm away at a stag uh and then i'm also staying a couple extra days to play some golf in uh, lisbon and that beautiful portuguese summer and that without sorry not, not even summer over there but it's like mid-20s sam mid-20s I'm bringing up a load of stuff, but is that, I was looking, Benetton, it was supposed to be 2021. That's not very hot, but the lads did look like they were puffing. So maybe it was hotter on the ground than... The- I was willing to, I was willing to use that as an excuse, but like, you know, the Connick lads aren't used to this. This is outrageously warm for April, you know? So I was willing to put that out there as an excuse. When I was watching it, they were huffing and puffing, but I Googled the weather and it said it was only 2021, but maybe the on the ground heat was way hotter than we think because it, you know, it looks really hot, but uh, maybe that just looked really hot compared to here. 
well, yeah, over here it's like 12 degrees and you're like, oh, it's actually not a bad day. You know what I mean? Yeah, golfing. Uh, yeah, golfing is right. But uh, yeah, look, at I said we're t- week off next weekend or next week and then we'll be back after the Cariff game. So uh, appreciate you, everyone listening. As always, uh, you can enjoy the week off from us three gobshites uh, and then we'll be back after the Cariff game. So as always, keep the faith and we'll be back then. Sam, appreciate it. Have a good week. Bye.